This is the Requiem Metal Podcast, episode 67, Dissection the Somberling.
We just heard Black Horizon on the Requiem Metal Podcast. And we're doing... I'm Mark. I'm Jason. And this is the, the Mighty Dissection. The Somber Lane. The Somber Lane. And uh, we decided to approach Dissection um, as honorable as we could because they're a band that's that's very deserving of it. I mean, they, they really did put out two almost undisputed masterpieces in the mid-90s and then yeah. disappeared because... They had to, unfortunately, because of legal troubles with John Nadvide. Well, it came before that little bit. He got wrapped up into, um, I forget the guy's name, where he ended up doing that really half-assed uh, ambient stuff. Oh, That was post-Storm of Lightsbane. Was it? Yeah. See, I don't even know if I was even aware of that at the time. Yeah, because he was just getting getting involved with these other people. Uh, I, I forget what the hell the guy's name was now. Eh, it's all look up. I don't know if it's in Lords of Chaos, but it's on the internet someplace. Huh. It doesn't really pertain too much to this episode, so we didn't really go into it a whole lot. But, but I guess how we decided to approach dissection was to you know we we talked about doing a dissection show where we you know pick just a single show, cho- yeah, yeah, choice tracks off of these two records and and kind of ignore the uh, Rankos. Um, not that it's a bad record, but it certainly it's doesn't... It's an unneeded record. Yeah, and it doesn't really hold up to these two. Not at all. Uh, um, it sounds more like a kind of a... It's like a one last fling with a girlfriend or something. Yeah, it's like a Dark Tranquility like, <laughs> B-side record or something. It's, it's yeah. weird. Uh, I think the only song on there that I really, really dug was the one about the dragon. Black Dragon or some, something like that. Yeah, he was in all of his goofy philosophy yeah. stuff before he, you know, off himself, but... Well, but, uh, so... He was my age. Was he? It's a crying shame. He had a whole life to live, you know? Dang. That's the, it's a shame. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that probably near the end of the show, or, or if not this show, then, then the next one that we do. But we decided to break it up into a two-part Hall of Fame episode, essentially, that each of these records is deserving in, in a sense of, of sort of Hall of Fame-like status because the the amount of variety and the, the musicality of each song, there's really not a clunker on either of these two records. And we were kind of hard-pressed outside of, you know, maybe cutting out a couple of little Zvetlut interludes. Um, it, it's kind of hard to cut any songs out of the thing. Yeah. And with how dense, I mean, the record's, it's dense, but it's not, it's dense and it's super technical, but not in the sense of, like, Dream Theater or Cynic. Yeah. It's it's super technical, but never at the at the uh, expense of, of melody. Sure, yeah. I mean, the, the whole thing is just drenched in melody, and that's what made Dissection so unique in that, you know, you had the Swedish metal uh, kind of template that was there with the Stockholm sound, and then certainly this other kind of weird thing was emerging with Grotesque, mm-hmm. uh, with Tampa, who went on to form At The Gates, and then, of course, Kristen Wallen, uh, who did Liars and Wait, and actually has a pretty strong Dissection connection, which we'll get to in mm-hmm. a second, but... They were doing something a little bit different than obviously the Stockholm sound, and then here here came Dissection, which was, I mean, I guess you know Dan Swano when he talks about this record claims that it's it's a pure death metal record, you know, that mm-hmm. there's no black metal influence on it. Um, you know, Dissection looked the part of black metal in a certain sense with some of the corpse paint and then the, the bullet belts and the, the body armor and all that kind I'll of stuff. on crosses in the back and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, and then, you know, not John Nidevied, who's the vocalist and the, the kind of lead rhythm guitarist mm-hmm. um, alongside, you already mentioned... Uh, John Svetlut. Who's the uh, other guitar player. Mm-hmm. And then Peter Paladel. 
Paul Dahl or Paul Dahl Paul Dahl is, is the bass player. Oli Oman. Yeah, that's a fun one to say. <laughs> he, he just looks sweet. And if you if you get a chance to um, see the Sombrelli and you look through some of the photos, the, the photo of Ole is it's pretty creepy. It's like it's got the like same feel as like Dead from Mayhem, you know? Yeah, sort minus of. the blown off head kind of thing. But but he's got like corn roll like <laughs> like it's 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 pretty funny. Uh, well, and actually, the end. Uh, I think last year or year before, put out really nice reissued double disc sets of both the Somber Lane and Storm and Light Spain. Light Spain. So so this evening you'll be spending uh, or morning, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, sure. you'll be spending some time with the Somber Lane, and uh, you know. Again, if in a certain way, if you didn't really, if you weren't into metal in the '90s, there's a good chance you may not have be into dissection as much as maybe people like you or I are. Or um, at least, if you are, it's it's usually with Storm. People yeah. are more familiar because yeah. that was kind of the right. That was like you know the slaughter of the soul for you know. Sure, that was the first, that was like one of the that might have been the first actual black metal gem that I ever bought. Mm-hmm. Well, if you call it black metal, well, I mean disputed. I mean titles alone, it's. Uh, I mean, the, I think between dissection at the gates, there were two incredibly unique forces in. I mean, because really nobody quite sounded exact. Nobody brought exactly those elements together. Yeah. And uh, especially on the Somberland, you're going to hear a lot of Red in the Sky kind of, uh, not necessarily similar sounds necessarily, but approaches to music. Sure. Stuff that was like, like a lot of mashup of, uh, like thrash with I think you know black metal tendencies and the the minor chord stuff. I think that's where the big yeah. comparison comes along. But as far as like the minor chords, but epic songwriting and the you know is in like you know Metallica type thrash. You know how, how every song was like this triumphant, mm-hmm. huge epic adventure kind of thing. Well, I mean, you definitely just heard that in Black Horizons. I mean, eight minutes long. Yeah, I mean, it's it's meandering into just kind of different melodic movements, and you know, Ole's like propelling it like with this sort of I don't know, call it storm blast, but this just blasting kind of burst of energy that that adds like a level of like black metal propulsion, I think, to the music yeah. in a sense. But yet, it's still musically and melodically rooted in, the, in sort of the thrash and, and melod, you know, kind of twin lead kind of stuff mm-hmm. that wasn't part of black metal. That was more part of thrash or death metal or even. And he really never, um, Oli never gets too fast, too faster than like say like a early era creator mm-hmm. drumming. We never go into like full on blasts. For, I mean, if it is just like this tiny, this little like spurt, it's not like the the songs are just peppered with like a hellhammer. Sure. or something where it's sure. just like you know freezing moon or something we're just blasting through but well would you say that he does a little bit or he hints at more of that stuff on storm though because storm yeah. to me is ultimately a, just a much faster record yeah. it doesn't it's stripped i mean it's it's the it's melodies are the record. melodies sort of like are kind of grinding in there but it's like it's up against a wall of sound a lot more I yeah i think like. i think it's a more mature record they took um I mean, I think Somberlane could have, you could have made two great records with all those riffs. Yeah. Um, but it's I, just I think so, it's just a more refined So record. many riffs coming at you. And yeah. that's that's where the, the comparison, you and I were talking about the Red in the Sky mm-hmm. from At the Gates. Red in the Sky is ours, the, the kind of first full length At the Gates record, which to some people is very, like, kind of hard to penetrate on some level because there's so much kind of music coming at you on, yeah. in every song and so many solos and so many melodies and. I love it. it I, I, I like drenching in it in a way, but the first time I heard it was tough. <laughs> I 
I it's, guess. it's a bizarre record. Yeah. And then, I mean, with Fear is even harder. Yeah, that's and true. And it's, it's, it has even more of a payoff, I think, now. But Yeah, yeah. And so Somberlane, for me, was a tough record to penetrate because of that. Because I had I, I was one of those people you're referring to who went backwards. Mm-hmm. You know, Storm of Lights Bay, and I got a uh, sophomore in high school. It was right when I had actually met Chris, and he had gotten me the UHF, uh, VHF, Relapse Nuclear Blast compilation. Well, that's right before they're... They parted ways. Yeah, yeah. and uh, that was a cool compilation because they had you know Morpheus to Light My Fire. Uh, I had the first you know Mashuga songs that I heard, uh, but more importantly, the two D's were on there: Dismember uh, on Frozen Fields mm-hmm. and then uh, Dissection. I think it was Night's Blood was yeah, on I think there, so. and um, pff, you know those were like the first two gems I bought post after you know was massive killing capacity and, and storm of lights bane mm-hmm. you know so now did, was your storm the luth's bane uh i've actually got the misspelled one nope mine is uh storm of the lights bane although okay. i did have the storm of the liths bane poster okay. in my room <laughs> uh, i don't know how that got by but uh yeah we'll have to tell that story when we do the storm of lights bane <laughs> it's kind of a funny one but so the, yeah then i had to go backwards and, and get the somber lane um you know, which wasn't a problem because you and Brian talked so much about it. And I think yeah. even Chris, to some extent, talked a little bit about it. Well, and this was one of those things, like, I mean, the original one came out of No Fashion. Yeah. And, uh, which no, is a great, great label. Really good label. Um, and No Fashion was purely mail order, at least back in the day. So this was something that you had to really seek out. And it was like $23 postpaid or, or something ridiculous like that. So this was definitely, it was like, you know, kind of cherished experience to order this thing and then get it and then have it pay off so well yeah that was that was the huge part well you know you you order it too and i mean the aesthetics of it are, are pretty unique um you know chris and wallen does a cover and, and it's not one of his best uh well it actually nodvite and wallen came up with the, con- the concept for the cover oh did they which do we still do we know what the somber lane is yet i i, I can't remember do we even i've never try I, and look you know, i've never even bothered reading lyrics huh yeah, I don't even. I know. probably I could probably sing all the lyrics to the album because I've heard it so many damn times, but it doesn't penetrate into like I don't really to think a, about, yeah. a greater meaning. Well, the the other odd thing, uh, and I'm looking at the reissue, but I also have the. I mean, if you want to be literal about it, if it's you know the sad road, I don't know. Is that what it is? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but it's not L A N E. It's L A I N. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. The Sabre Lane. But I'm just a dude in a chariot with a or not a chariot, but like a. a what is it like? Some kind of Victorian cab buggy with you know, two horses. You know, it reminds me of. It reminds me of that uh, the Val Luton flick with Boris Karloff, the the body snatcher, or I think that's what it's called, the body or, snatcher, or Bedlam. He was in both of those. Yeah, no, this is about This is where he like he goes out and like digs up graves, and he's the um, he drives like a horse and carriage around and, and digs up yeah, bodies yeah. for like medical. That's body snatcher. Yeah, but so that's that's what I think of when I I see this cover. <laughs> Kind of has that like sort of fifties or forties horror film. Well, for the I mean for the time, it's it's a the cover is pretty standout different. Oh, it's purple. You know, the original was was had like a purple hue to it. I mean, yeah. the, the color scheme was all. Well, the Wallen really kind of worked monochromatically. For mm-hmm. the, I mean, if you go back and look at a lot of his stuff, even his like Diabolique covers and um, I'm trying to think of some well, of the other. Blaze My Sorrow was all silver. Yeah, or one. Wild Honey. I yeah. mean, he, he was he was definitely into the monochromatic scheme. So I think that kind of saved the uh, 
the rather kind of weird rendering of the horses and the and the dude. But yeah, because I think if it had been in full color, it'd come off looking like a late '90s power metal cover or something like like that. A Halloween cover. If yeah. you would have thrown like you know like a a pumpkin someplace in the thing, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's tossing pumpkins at you, you know. Um, so aesthetically it already sort of jumps out to you as being unique and then the fact that it's from sweden and yet people put it into the black metal category which there weren't too many outside of marduk there weren't too many like mainstream kind of swedish black metal bands in 1993 well, you know and dark funeral um, you know yeah technically back in back in the day nobody considered Nobody ca- called them a black metal band. No. That was a later called- convention. The Black Death thing. Then that so came out. Wh- where did that come from then? I mean, I guess... Well, you've got Dissection, Unanimated. Nagelfar. Nagelfar. Yeah. That whole... Which, I guess just because they use minor chords and there's some... The singing's more... Harsh. I, I guess more black metal-ish. More screaming, less like the, the guttural. Less guttural, I guess. But, I mean, At the Gates was doing the same thing. So, I... I yeah, because I mean, the categories are just for journalists. I, I hear so much of John's vocals, and I think of Tampa, you know, yeah. I mean, from At the Gates, not not like a you know, it's, it's Fenres or something. Yeah, it's like or a Nocturnal Cult. Cut out, just take the highs and the super lows out of Tampa's thing, and you've got an odd bite. Yeah, he's kind of a, a mid range. He's not the most dynamic vocalist, but it, he doesn't need to be because the music shines it's so, so much, dynamic. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, Black Horizons also, speaking of vocals, had that sweet Dan Swano scream yeah. uh, in it, the power metal scream. Which he also reprises in uh, the Catatonia EP. Yeah. The, uh, what is it? Jehovah Math? The Northern Sky song? Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. And then it's also him kind of doing some melodies in it, too. Uh, kind of, oh, the harmonizing? Yeah, that's he's in there? doing yeah. some harmonizing and stuff. So, um, yeah, that's the other thing. This was produced with a great death metal producer of of the day it's kind of the height of unison i mean he seems like he really and you can tell the the amount of like love that he put into the in the production of the thing he was totally 100 percent behind this he says it's the best thing he's ever produced according to ekaroth's uh swedish death metal book he says it's you know his personal thing now I'd probably, I can see that from a technical standpoint from too. a technical standpoint i'd give the edge from a personal preference to probably break murder day but that's he didn't really produce that. No, he walked away. You know, because he so, hated it. Uh, no, I think as far as like it really tapping into the potential of what they were doing at the time, I think Swano did a bang up job on the production. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah, I think you're right from a personal standpoint. He was probably at his producing peak. Mm-hmm. You know, because this is right when uh, it was right before Crimson came out and right after Purgatory Afterglow. Yeah, and before he kind of like just gave up for a while because he was. I mean, he was basically the. Uh, Peter Tackeron before Peter Tackeron. <laughs> yeah. You know, Unisound Studios used to be like what Abyss Studios became in the late 90s. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, like, I mean. The Kurt Ballou of the era. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I mean, I guess for, for like somebody that's new to dissection, what are what are the elements that make the, del- you know, dissection Somberlane? I mean, besides the vocals, which we kind of talked about, and some yeah. of the drumming kind of things. You know, uh, guitar. I mean, the thing, the it's it's riff after riff, riftastic kind of stuff. I mean, as stupid as that sounds, it's probably not, not very descriptive. Um, but with, I mean, it's it's almost taking what the Gothenburg scene was doing, but exploding it even even more so. But the charring it a little bit, yeah, know, and but it, it, up it doesn't go to to the extent of um, I'm trying to think of like an overly technical band that, that it almost does it. For this and, and loses some of their musicality or or, uh, or harmony to it, 
but all I mean, it's I guess it's almost just like little, like little accents, but they're done as as tremolo, you know, riffing. If that yeah. makes any sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a hard thing to like really nail down concretely exactly what what it is after hearing it so many times. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it's you know, I found myself when we were kind of sitting here trying to put this show together. I found it difficult to pinpoint specific moments on, on these songs or specific reasons that these songs are awesome other than the fact that like they kind of stand up for themselves and speak speak pretty loudly, you know, like Oh, here we go. With uh well before Nodvite was in dissection, he was in Rabbit's Carrot, worst oh. name for a band ever. Uh which is a straight up thrash band that I guess Oli Oman was the drummer in as well. And he seemed to be like leaning more in the direction of this kind of uh, you know from being straight thrash to be more of a death metal or more extreme band or something and it seems like he really brought kind of his A game and really had something to prove on the record as well to like say like okay you know thrash is cool and everything but this is this is what we can really do I mean it feels like a guy that had a fire lit under his ass and really like went for it yeah and I mean and had like you know the had the production chops of Swano behind him saying like you know right on man this is like you know the best thing ever yeah and then assembled a group of musicians around him that were like like minded and especially the kind of duality between him and Svetlut with you know Svetlut's doing this classical guitar kind of stuff all the time you can hear a little bit of that noodling within you know the more metallic versions on the record between the sure the well and you'll hear it in a song that we're going to play in the next set called Heaven's Damnation which ends with sort of some classical guitar flourishes like mm-hmm. acoustic kind of stuff but yeah i mean it, it, it what's interesting is i i can still hear obviously i think of them more as like a death metal band that that just was a little bit on the darker edge mm-hmm. i guess of some some you know for some reason but i mean i guess I, I i don't know if it's because of the politics of of john or whatever i i think i it's hard for me to completely disassociate him from the black metal scene because for so many years that was talked about you know that he was part of that sort of black swedish inner circle yeah and all that even like you go back and if you can find a copy of requiem number foot six yeah it was with with dissection i mean a lot of that stuff was kind of laughable and he was super down to earth really real friendly guy i think a lot of that came post storm okay that that could be where he kind of got weirded out i mean because when he did this record i mean in 19 he recorded 92 yeah, ninety two is put out ninety three. He was seventeen years old when he recorded it. Wow. Yeah. So, so he I mean, hadn't even he hadn't even really grown up and no, I mean that's that's kind of nuts to think about a record that that fully realized at seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's mind blowing. So, well, we got a set coming up. We got the title track, the somber lane, uh, and a land forlorn, and then the aforementioned heaven's damnation, which uh, you know I mentioned when we were listening to it earlier. Uh, this this tune really sounds like the template uh, for Dawn and what that that band sound is going to be. It's a little more, um, it's a little more abrasive. Yeah, fiercer. Yeah, on some sort of level, less melodic in a certain sense. But anything about uh, title track or Land Forlorn? Well, I mean the Somberland. Interesting enough, the it's one of the few times, at least that I can remember, where you actually have a riff that echoes the vocal melody. Oh, okay. Like you can, you could not have the, the lyrics there and just hear the guitar and you can, you could fit in where the lyrics go. 
Nice. Yeah. That's pretty sophisticated. Yeah, I mean, that's like, it's like stuff like Paradise Lost was, was doing like on, you know, Draconian Times or something, but this is 17-year-old yeah. kids, and they're doing it more aggressively, which is, you know, pretty impressive. Yeah, it was faster and harder yeah. to fit that sort of stuff in, so. Cool. So listen for that. We got Soberlane, Land Forlorn, and Heaven's Damnation. Enjoy.
little acoustic interlude you just heard was Heaven's Damnation, and then before that, Land Forlorn in the Somber Lane. Um, another thing we, we were kind of pointing out, if you're kind of doing an investigative CSI of, of the Somber Lane, which <laughs> would have kind of brought a little bit of... What would Gary Sinise find yeah, out? Yeah, what would Gary Sinise... Well, besides the black, uh, the corpse paint, excuse me, that some of the guys are wearing, um, it's also dedicated, the album's dedicated to Euronymous. Eternally dedicated to Euronymous. Eternally, and the cursed mayhem. Yes. So, you know, I mean, I can see where there's there's this kind of confusion uh, of well, go back again pulling people. 17 know. years old, yeah. impressionable youth. Well, not just that, but I mean. Euronymous was in his 20s at this point. Yeah. But but you also said, and I think this is a key point because this becomes trendy black metal by the late eighty or late nineties. Yeah, uh, the whole trendy black metal scene. This idea of like, well, black metal kids like the death metal sound of dissection. So rather than having to like explain to your peers that you like death metal as well as black metal oh look right here so it's endorsed you know you dude, just cool. you well not just that you, <laughs> then you just start to say well no dissection was always black metal look and and to me you're you're then pulling them onto your team in a sense and then you it, it, it does you don't lose street cred with the black metal crowd yeah by claiming dissection as one of your own I'm trying to think of another comparison of that in something else. I'm thinking like the Dave Chappelle show where they have the uh, race draft. <laughs> okay, you can have, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's something kind of along those lines. <laughs> Dissection got drafted oh, onto... Oh, Colin Powell. <laughs> yeah. Dissection got drafted onto the... Uh, the black metal the side. The black metal team, you know. And that was, you know, Nadvid, I think, was in jail at this point, too. Um which added a little bit more credence to this, you know. At what point? Dangerous criminal by like the mid to late nineties, you know, like oh, 96, yeah, yeah. 97, yeah. You know, when when you really start to hear dissection talked about as a black metal band on some level. So, you know, I don't know if that had anything to do with it though. If him going to jail combined with seeing stuff like the mayhem and Neuronymous, there was just a, enough like kind of. Uh, Enough things sort of floating out there that I think some of these people could bring them into the black metal. Well, even look at look at people that that really kind of like hit their peak early. It's usually always a weird downward spiral. You know, yeah. be, it, be it actors or you know artists or, or anything. You know, writers. Sure. You hit. You do your one big thing. You top that. Where the hell are you going to go? I think. I think that was almost like he almost had to split off and like kind of figure himself out because he was like, you know, like maybe twenty four by the time. You know, this, all the stuff storm was done. and had kind of played its course out by probably yeah. in the '96 or, or so. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you know, it, quite a quite a ride for these guys, uh, especially with the Somberlane kind of right out the gates. You know, I mean, we've done we've done debut records before as Hall of Fame with like you know, say Skydancer or whatever. Mm-hmm. And as great as Skydancer is, it, it doesn't encapsulate an entire scene the way that the dissection did. Yeah, you know, this became yeah. the template for like all like kind of black and death you know well, and dark tranquility far they they considerably changed their sound that was a one-off record yeah you know that, that was something that only could be done then they since then they, they've kind of went on this certain trajectory but no dissection like you know perfected it and then like refined it yeah uh, i'd say for for storm and it's just like yeah yeah where do you go once you've once you've defined a genre <laughs> well i mean that's probably why the whole electronic thing was was interesting sure for some reason, for a lot of those black metal bands and, and different and for, groups at the yeah, and for for Nodvite in general, just for you know. Oh, I know what you're saying for splitting yeah. off, and I forget what the hell the name the of the band that was, you were, but you were trying to think of earlier. It was it was awful. <laughs> didn't didn't work out so well. 
No, I remember getting, uh, you know, everybody was huge on his storm, and then we got serviced, uh, whatever, I can't think, whatever it is. It, it doesn't really matter, but we got serviced that from Nuclear Blast. We're like, okay, this should be this should be interesting. And uh, previously that, we heard some Neptune Tower stuff, which was like, oh, God. And then, so this was kind of like, you know, a little bit of that. What was the Neptune Towers? That was the... The Fenris. Fenris, yeah. Ambient right. crap, but... Yeah. Well, and, you know, like, the cool thing about the Somber Lane that you can get now is that the it comes with all this bonus stuff with some live stuff and then where the, band, the demos i believe is yeah the, the 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 somberling demos yep and the into the infinite obscurity seven inch ep which is really kind of like that's like the thing that put them on the map I yes guess. i think with with those two reissues from the end you basically have every like relevant thing that dissection did yeah i mean all their demos uh, everything the the past is live isn't bad either for a live record. I mean, it's not great, but it's because there there's not much output from the band. It, it's kind of nice to to get. I don't some know of if I stuff. have that. Is that that Necropolis thing? Yeah, I think that that came out. That's got a few kind of choice things on there. Didn't they throw some demo tracks or something? I as think, well? and I'm sure probably some of it's shown up on. I think on that this might as well. be all of it. I'm, I don't know. Is it okay? Well, and then they do the the was it the live legacy record? Yeah, which it's all right. Yeah, it's not it's not produced very well. I think it's okay. I mean, I think I appreciate it because of the fact that there's really not much for this band. You know, oh, I mean, it's like somebody complaining about, oh, we just found a un, you know this unreleased Nirvana thing or something, whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. or Jeff Buckley. You yeah. know, beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, this is it. You get two two brilliant full links from Dissection, and then like 10, 15 years of hiatus, and then a kind of a crappy Coda record, which kind of really sullies the the reputation of the band in a way i mean yeah i mean it was nice well it was nice before you know he uh he departed you know that he got back into it a little bit but uh so i think i think prison totally screwed him up and the guy was uh well whatever yeah he, he left a good legacy of music by i think there's a skid row song in there <laughs> <laughs> a little lesson that we can learn from sebastian bach in 18 in life so or don't be king uh, of the world if you're slave to the grind yeah exactly you know so mind your p's and q's prison will mess you up uh we got on the way kind of a, a pretty big trio including my favorite tune from this record do you have a do you have a kind of a favorite from somberlane like a personal preference track or I mean, I know you're not a, a singles guy, but I don't know if there's like a song that. Well, Cold Ones of Nowhere mind. is a pretty, pretty sweet track, and the, the title track, I think, title are two of my favorites. Okay. But yeah, I'm a, in the Cold Cold Winds of Nowhere. I think that was a track I latched on to, especially when I when I first bought this record. Well, it's a catchy, it's catchy vocally, yeah, which you can't say for a lot of death metal music. When you when you can actually like kind of like oh you get, you actually get that vocal line stuck in your head. That's very rare and in metals from where I'm concerned but yeah and then I think too just the the way that the the impactfulness of how like the the song kind of comes in it has like that sort of like oh the, almost the like a, changes and yeah almost like a like a morphous like it's the, the twin Corell, lead thing Corellian Isthmus sort yeah. of like lead or something yeah, like it's that it's a twin lead but it's not it, the toning is bizarre. Right? Yeah, it's not. It's or like, like an old sentence or something. Yeah, this has a Finnish feel to yeah. it. The way yeah. it kind of comes in. Uh, the tune we're going to start things off with here in a second, "Frozen," is probably the thrashiest song on the record. I mean, if you were going to look for an antecedent to the creator, 
mm-hmm. kind of you know stuff that you were mentioning earlier, or even the the rabbits uh, carrot. carrot. Yeah, uh, y- you'd find it here. And then from Frozen, we actually we skipped a couple of these on the record just for time's sake. But oh, uh, we got to give you a reason if you don't own the record to go out and you know hear it in its entirety. Sure, sure. Uh, so we decided to throw in one of the acoustic interludes, which is into the uh, infinite obscurity. Um, which is also the title of their their first seven inch, and mm-hmm. so you get a nice little taste of the, those classical elements that they they put into some of their songs. They'll never waste a good song title, man. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. And and trust me, we got a mouthful coming up after that because then it's in the cold winds of nowhere, and then probably one of the longest song titles. It sounds like an Afalamia title here. Okay. Oh, the grief prophecy slash shadows over, over a lost, lost kingdom. kingdom. That's wow. just one song. It's only like three and a half minutes long, but yeah. there's a there's a lot of stuff going on in there. But I think Grief Prophecy was an older tune, if I'm not mistaken. It was the demo from 1990. Yeah, I think so. So, but that 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 song it's a recording. It or, feels really um, like well, not well rehearsed, but uh, I guess well thought out and really polished and refined compared to a lot of the other songs. There doesn't seem to be as many extra riffs. Oh, and, okay. and it seems like it's really it's, kind of simplified in a way. Or yeah, as far like the 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 song structure seems a little even a little bit more cont- not contemporary, a little more uh, traditional as far as like course verse kind of kind of approach to the thing. But yeah, and you know something we forgot to mention at the beginning of the show because we got kind of so into the the history of dissection a little bit is the opening of Black Horizons. What what is what is that that opens the record? The kind of like the it almost sounds like talking or, or something. Where he's like, God. oh, it almost sounds like it's it's uh, something back, like spoken backwards. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a cool beginning, you know. Well, it even has like like almost like some kind of campy hammer horror keyboards, really low in the mix in the background. Sure, oh, or but like, I, like crickets but, or something. But I think you know? it sort of sets up the scene that you're about. You know, I mean, you're gonna hear an epic death metal record. You know, yeah. the melodies just flying. It almost, at you, it almost you know, reminds me of like. Uh, when I was a kid, I lived out in the country, and you go outside at night. That's almost this, minus the weird voices. Yeah, 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 that's kind of the noise you hear is, is all the bugs and whatever sure. you know, in the background. And then as you hear those voices, it's almost like holy crap. Then as soon as this thing kicks in, it's like you're running your ass off away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I forget, totally forgot to mention that we talked about the scream and all that sort of stuff. But so there's a lot of cool elements that they're going to be uh, kind of coming in this next set of music. So and I feel Swano. I mean, knowing Swano's career as a, as a producer, I, th- I think he had a, a hand in that little opening. Oh bit. yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, Swano's he's, smart guy. Well, and he's kind of um, he likes to really amp up the drama of things. Sometimes a little melodramatic. Yeah, but but in a you know in a good metal way. I mean, look at uh, some of that crap he did with. Um, oh God, what was the power metal band that he was in? Uh, Moon Tower or Nightingale? Nightingale. Uh, some of that stuff is ooh, it's pretty pretty awful. The, it's like Shakespeare dinner theater kind of metal. You know, the Moon Tower. It, it sort of gets sort of stuck with some amorphous keyboards at times, which kind of like date it a little bit. But musically. And, and it's some not awful. Stuff, it's not that bad, you know. It, it's just to me, it's a product of the late '90s, which was a really confusing time in metal. It was like a, a giant yeah. identity crisis for a lot of people. Even like, some of the early 2000s, we heard, yeah. we saw some interesting. Yeah, the stuff the, the reign of power metal and some of that. So, but uh, anyway, so we got a, a solid set of music up for you here. We got Frozen into Infinite Obscurity and the Cold Winds of Nowhere. And then the aforementioned Grief Prophecy shadows over a lost kingdom. Or just the Grief Prophecy. Say that five times fast. 
There we heard uh, the grief prophecy, shadows over Lost Kingdom, and the cold winds of nowhere, and the infinite obscurity, and, and Frozen. Yeah, we saw Frozen. And frozen. I'm trying, I'm trying to decipher your writing here, yeah, too. Yeah, no, so. I'm sorry. Well, we've got all kinds of... Uh, Scribbles and yeah, side notes and, and different things like that. You know, It's a good thing you didn't say Frozen Thrashy. It's Frozen Thrashy, yes. <laughs> frozen Thrashy. Yeah, they're they're uh, selling those at Dairy Queen now. The Frozen Thrashy. <laughs> what, what kind of bits does that have? Raisinets. Ah, awesome. <laughs> Delicious Raisinets in your Frozen Thrashy. Rat turds. Yes. We, could, we should sponsor some Frozen Thrashies or something like that. <laughs> But uh, anyways, get the Bailoff. It's got everything in it. It just looks like barf. <laughs> the Paul Bailoff. <laughs> oh no, the Bond may he, may he rest in peace. Yeah. Jeez. Anyways, <laughs> um, so we're listening to Somberlane, and we're kind of wrapping things up here um, with kind of our ode, if you want to call it that, uh, to ode to woe. Yeah, to the brilliance Whoa. of this record. And, you know, stay stay tuned in the next couple weeks for um, the sort of sequel to this with Storm of the Lights Bane, uh, which is an altogether different record. I don't want to ruin that. So if you haven't heard that record, it's it's unlike what you're listening to here. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to say two different bands because the melodies are all still there and there's, there's the drumming all. It's just it's there, just more refined. Yeah, I think it's it's uh, it's a pretty big leap, though, I'd say. At least, if memory serves, the the way that they compositionally like it breathes more. Say that too. Yeah, I mean, it's they. I think they kind of pick their notes a little more carefully. Okay, okay. Well, I don't want to ruin it. We gotta keep them on the edge. A little cliffhanger <laughs> action here. It's all power metal. Um, yeah, it's all power metal. <laughs> Shh, don't tell anyone. No, that's that's more like Rignos. The last tune we have is um, it's not exactly the closing number of the the record. Uh, it's actually you know feathers fell closes the record out, but that's just a sort of a minute. There you go, you got it. I mean, it's, yeah. uh, isn't there see, some this, talking during this? There's some whispering in yeah. it. Yeah, I mean the, these some of these interludes. I mean some of them actually work well as transitions, but some of them to me remind me of the uh, stuff off Bless of the Sick where I can. I half the time I skip through it because I'm like I just want to hear the cool riffs. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how much it really sounds. adds to the. Uh, well, I mean that's something that they kind of killed in their next record, or at least they they didn't kill completely, but they they figure out where it's appropriate and where it's not. Well, it sort of opens and closes the record in a way with yeah. with some more of that sort of stuff. But um, so here it seems like I mean this is like okay, hey, we got a dude that can play guitar pretty good. Uh, you know, I don't know how much of it was political and how much was it was like, you know, sure. well, if I'm going to be in the band, I'd really like to do these acoustic interludes. <laughs> okay, Richard Brunel, uh, well, we, it, we appreciate you as a member, but... It, uh, it's one of those things, too, I don't know if they were looking... Maybe they're automatically assuming that they wouldn't be giving, like, you know, given, a, like, street cred, or they wouldn't be given... Um, street cred's probably the wrong word for it. The credentials... You know that they thought they deserved, so they had to maybe you know throw a little more flair in there and and show that they they were diverse enough to have these sort of different elements. Kind of the kitchen sink approach in a way, where yeah. um, they're definitely showing off their their chops by throwing in some of that acoustic stuff. Well, this is there. something that In Flames and you know several other war bands are doing as well as kind of integrating this almost. Uh, well, In Flames is more of a weird folkyish yeah. kind of stuff. Of uh, was off Lunar Strain or Subterranean? Both, both, yeah, both had it. You gotta fly, killing, killing bugs here in the Requiem Metal Podcast. <laughs> uh, you gotta keep it real, you know. You gotta keep it real. We're in the new, we're in the new dungeon. Uh, we're, we're, dungeon. we're the Requiem Northern Studio right yeah. now. Yeah, the new Requiem Northern Studio. Yeah. We've abandoned the apartment, and uh, 
gone for the woods. No more meth heads, no more kids. It's, no, uh, no meth heads. We're meth head free. Yeah. Now we've got forests of, uh, like, cold forests of immortal mosquitoes. And well, actually, maybe uh, when we do our next one, we could actually record outside. Uh, let's do it. Yeah, here's some birds and, uh, you know, it's peaceful stuff. Go to nature. Yeah. We should have done that for the Oliver show. You know, we could have. It has too many mosquitoes. We, I think, we could have recorded us like walking through the woods with the microphone. So yeah, that'd be nice if I could get an extension cord long enough to power the laptop. Yeah, get some powerless things. But we're gonna close actually with the last full length on the record, which is "Mistress of the Bleeding Sorrow." Cool song title. And I knew that there was always like something that kind of struck me about the opening riff to this. Yeah, you know, like it's always sounded familiar. And I was just pointing out to Mark that it totally reminds me in a Satana. From from Emperor, mm-hmm. the the first kind of like opening of it before the the choral, the Oh Mighty Lord part yeah. comes in, but just the some of the stop start sort of breaks and and different things with the drumming and it is very kind of akin to that. Yeah, I think Trim's got more of a a breakneck approach. Um, Although that wasn't that wouldn't have been Trim. Oh, that was Bard, wasn't it? Yeah, that was Bard. That was Faust. But I guess he kind of picked up on his styling to some degree. Yeah. But yeah. So, I know. Funny Memories. thinking of those days when Bard was the drummer. What on two records? Just while he did like all the Wrath of Tyrants kind of stuff, and then he which did, I kind of consider I, a record, but yeah, because I listened to it so many times. Yeah. So, but he's on the the uh, split with Enslave. So that's right. Yeah, with Night of the Great of the Souls. Well, we're getting tired. Our souls are getting tired for. Yeah. Uh, you well, can tell what you can tell we're trying. It's it's like three <laughs> three thirty in the morning, so you have to forgive us. But yeah, so look for that and uh, send us your feedback. You know, if you're new to dissection, uh, tell us what you thought. You know, were you able to kind of penetrate and get into the the, the tunes, or was it just too too uh, thick? I guess. Or if you have a different perspective altogether, if you you know were early maybe early on in the scene and kind of thought dissection was not that big of a deal you know sure. we'd like to hear that as yeah, well we're looking for that as you know i mean just really any kind of feedback you can give us uh shoot us a uh, email at requiempodcast at gmail.com uh, check us out on facebook so requiem podcast if you mm-hmm. if you look it up there you can drop some you know obviously if you're familiar with facebook you can shoot us a email or just drop messages on. write something on our virtual wall yes be great please. actually uh, if you go to uh we'll have a link to our facebook page there on the sidebar cool yeah there you go and we're also going to uh, try something else out which uh you know other podcasts do successfully you know we, we offer you tons of content here week oh, after week yes this is true uh, we've only missed a couple weeks when we went on our little vacation to uh to maryland um to, to help us recoup some of the costs because you know chances are every one of these episodes we do we end up buying some cds or we end up you know we've got hosting costs we've got equipment costs gas money and technology uh, upgrades yeah i mean it's just i mean it it does take money to do the show um we would love a small donation a large donation whatever you see fit we're kind of putting our hand out like pbs we're giving all this free content now it's your turn to give back a little bit if you'd like to if you feel that the show is worth giving something to go to requimpodcast.com click on the donate button and give whatever you see fit. We'll actually, we're thinking of having some, uh, well, this is something I'm doing off the top of my head right now, but uh, maybe some exclusive content, like some extra episodes that are behind a wall. So once you, uh, Whoa. you know, once you put a, a little donation in, you'll get, uh, you'll get bumped back to a page that gives you some uh, extra downloads. So that sounds something like you're interested in, uh, you know, get feedback about that as well. Yeah. And then I, I definitely concur. You know, yes. I don't know if I have the, the, the PBS in me right now to, to I, I 
like when I think of like, well, I'm, I, it's my other podcast, the Art and Story podcast. I do a lot of uh, hucksterisms that people get a kick out of. So, oh, okay, I, good, I, good. I throw the selling. I was trying to everybody. tap into like what the, what I was trying to think. What would the car talk guys say like about trying to like get some? Oh, one of them would just laugh. And, yeah, exactly. So uh, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was trying to get the laugh going, but it wasn't there. It's, it's too late. So, but enjoy uh, Mistress of the Bleeding Sorrows, and uh, please do as Mark said. And no, here's another one. Record labels out there, outside of the ones I've contacted already, if you're a record label or if you're a band and you'd like uh, some kind of coverage, I'm thinking um, this is something I haven't even talked with Jason yet, so this is thrown off the cuff. Holy cow. You heard it here first. Uh, to try to add some more content to the website, I'm thinking of trying to do some some kind of like reviews or at least some kind of like a little bit more of a resource type type thing uh, along with um, you know the regular podcast or possibly even a segment on the show if we have enough time to do you know a review of a band so if you've got you know a, a new demo if you've got uh, CDs labels sure we love CDs not necessarily mp3s but whatever you know whatever would work um, we'll have all the information on the website where you can send that stuff yeah we're fickle and old school we kind of like gems and things like that to collect we're collectors the old I like relics physical of the products past. yes yeah it's funny, my students kind of are like, where do you buy CDs still? I'm like, come on, man. I try to just buy records now, but it's, it's getting expensive. Yeah, so. it's tough. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take either. Records, CDs. Either one. So. Uh, I, I do have an extensive single collection as well, so if you have any singles you'd like ah. to send that way. Yes. Well, I know there's that one. What the hell's that thing off? Well, it doesn't matter. We need to get it down to the show. Coming up next is Mistress of the Bleeding Sorrow by Dissection. <laughs> we'll see you next week on the Requiem Metal Podcast. I'm Mark. I'm Jason. Enjoy. Enjoy.